Welcome, stranger. Have a seat by the fire. Rest your weary bones. Carwin! Some meat and mead for our guest. Yes, me lord. Right away. Anyways, I'm the tavern keep. You can call me Fenwick, but never call me late for dinner. <clears throat> Look, I digress. Most people come here for a tale or two. Let me tell you what, sir. I'm running out of tales, and you look like you've seen a few adventures. Tell me a story, and your meal and lodgings are on the house. What do you say? I say that is a fair deal, Master Fenwick. And a tale I do have for you. For it is called The Soldier and Death. Mm. And where shall I begin? Oh yes, first, a drink. Let us begin. Wait, before you begin, sir, here's your meal. Why, thank ye. A coin for your trouble, boy. Thank ye, stranger. Now, where was I? Ah, let me begin. The soldier served God and the great king for 25 years, earned three dry biscuits, and set off to walk his way home. He kissed his companions with whom he had served so long, and boasted of the feasting there be in the village when he should come marching home with all his wars behind him. Singing at the top of his voice as he set off, soon he was alone on the high road. Walking through the forest, he began to think things over, and he thought to himself, all these years I have served the king and had good clothes on my back and my belly full of victuals. And now I am like to be both hungry and cold. Already I have nothing but three dry biscuits. Just then he met an old beggar who stood in the road and crossed himself and asked alms for the love of God. The soldier had not a copper piece in the world, so he gave the beggar one of his three dry biscuits. He had not gone very far along the road when he met a second beggar who leant on a stick and recited holy words and begged alms for the love of God. The soldier gave him the second of his three biscuits. And then, at the bend in the road, he met a third older beggar with long white hair and a beard and loathsome rags who stood shaking by the roadside and he begged alms for the love of God. If I give him my last dried biscuit, I shall have nothing left for myself, thought the soldier. He gave the beggar half of his third dry biscuit. Then the thought came into his head that perhaps this old beggar would meet the other two and would learn that they had been given whole biscuits while he had only been given half. He will be hurt. And affronted, thought the soldier, and his blessings will be of no avail. So he gave the old beggar the other half, also of his third of his three dry biscuits. I shall get along somehow, thought the soldier, and for making forward on his way. But the old beggar put out his hand and stopped him. Brother, says the old beggar. Are you in want of anything? God bless you, says the soldier, looking at the beggar's rags. 
I want nothing from you. You're a poor man yourself. Never mind my poverty, says the old beggar. Just tell me what you would like to have, and I am well able to reward you for your kind heart. I don't want anything, said the soldier. But if you do happen to have such a thing, as a pack of cards about you, I'd keep them in memory of you, and they'd be a pleasure to me on the long road. The old beggar thrust his hand deep into his bosom among his rags and pulled out a pack of cards. Take these, says he, and when you play with them, you'll always be winner, whoever may be playing against you. And here's a flower sack for you as well. If you meet anything and you want to catch it, just open the sack and tell beasts or birds or anything else to get into it. And they'll just do that. And you can close the sack and do with them what you will. Thank you kindly, says the soldier. He throws the sack over his shoulder, puts the pack of cards in his pocket and trudges off along the high road singing an old song. Now, he went on and on till he came to a lake where he drank a little water to ease his thirst and smoked a pipe to put off his hunger. Resting by the shore of the lake and there, on the lake, he saw three wild geese swimming far away. Now, if I could catch them, thought the soldier and remembered the sack the old beggar had given him. He opened the sack and shouted at the top of his voice, Hey, you there, you wild geese, come into my sack. And the three wild geese splashed out out of the water and flew to the bank and crowded into the sack, one after another. <laughs> the soldier tied up the mouth of the sack, flung it over his shoulder and went on his way. He came to a town quite like this one and looked for a tavern and chose the best he could see and went in there and asked for the landlord. See here, says he. Here are three wild geese. I want one of them roasted for my dinner. Another I'll give you in exchange for a bottle of mead. The third you shall have to pay you for your troubles. The landlord agreed as well he might and presently the soldier was seated at a good table near a window with a whole bottle of the best mead and a fine roast goose fresh from the kitchen when he had made an end to his goose the soldier laid down his knife and fork tipped the last drop of the mead down his throat and set the bottle upside down upon the table then he lit his little pipe sat back on the bench and took a whole look out of the window to see what was doing in the town. And there, on the other side of the road, up on the hill, was a fine castle, well carved and painted. A year's work had gone to the carving of every doorpost and window frame. But in all the castle, there was not one whole pane of glass. Landlord, says the soldier, tell me what's the meaning of this? Why is a fine castle like that standing empty with broken windows? It 
It's a good enough castle, says the landlord. The king built the castle for himself, but there's no living in it because of the devils. Devils, says the soldier. Devils, says the landlord. Every night they crowd into the castle and what with their shouting and yelling and screaming and playing cards and all other devilries that come into their heads, there's no living in a castle for decent folk. And nobody does to clear them out, asks the soldier. Easier said than done, says the landlord. Ah, have a drink. Well, with that, the soldier wished good health to the landlord and set off to see the king. He comes walking into the king's hall and gives him a salute. Your majesty, says he, will you give me leave to spend one night in your empty castle on the hill? God bless you, says the king. But you don't know what you are asking. Foolhardy folk, enough have tried to spend a night in the castle. They went in merry and boasting, but not one of them came walking out alive in the morning. What of that, says the soldier. Water won't drown a soldier, and fire won't burn him. I have served God and the king for twenty-five years, and I am not dead. A single night in a castle won't be the end of me. But I tell you, a man walks in there alive in the evening, and in the morning the servants have to search the floor for the little bits of his bones. Nonetheless, says the soldier, if your majesty will give me leave. Get along with ye, and God be with ye, says the king. Spend the night there if you set your heart on it. So, the soldier came to the castle <coughs> and stepped in. Singing through the empty rooms, he made himself comfortable in the biggest room of all. Laid his knapsack in a corner and hung his sword on a nail. Sat down at the table, took out his bag of tobacco, filled his little pipe and sat there smoking, ready for what would come. Twelve o'clock sharp and there was a yelling and a shouting and a blowing of horns. A scraping of fiddles and every other kind of instrument. A noise of dancing, of running, of stamping. And the castle crammed full of devils, making themselves at home as if the place belonged to them. And you, soldier, cried the devils. What are you sitting there so grum for? Smoking your pipe. There's smoke enough where we have been. Put your pipe in your pocket and play a round of cards with us. Right you are, says the soldier. If you play with my cards, deal them out, shouted the devils. And the soldier put his pipe in his pocket and dealt out the cards. While the devils crowded around the table, fighting for rooms on the benches. They played a game. And the soldier won. They played another, and he won again. The devils were cunning. God knows, but not all their cunning could win a single game for them. The soldier was raking in all the money, all the time. Soon enough, 
The devils had not a penny between them. And the soldier was putting up his cards and lighting his pipe. Content he was, and well he might be, with his pockets bulging with money. Stop a minute, soldier, said the devils. We've still got sixty bushels of silver and forty of gold. We'll play for them, if you give us time to send for them. Let's see the silver, says the soldier, and puts the cards in his pocket. Well, they sent a little devil to fetch the silver. Sixty times he ran out of the room, and sixty times he came staggering back with a bushel of silver on his shoulders. The soldier pulled out his cards, and they played on, but it was all the same. The devils cheated in every kind of way, but could not win again. Go and fetch the gold, says the oldest devil. Aye, aye, grandfather, says the little devil, and goes scuttling out of the room. Forty times he ran out, and forty times he came stabbering back in, with a bushel of gold between his shoulders. They played on. The soldier won every game and all the gold. Asked if they had any more money to lose, put his cards in his pocket, and lit his pipe. Devils looked at all the money they had lost. It seemed a pity to lose all that good silver and gold. Tear him to pieces, brothers, they cried. Tear him to pieces, eat him, and have done. The soldier tapped his little pipe on the table. First, make sure, says he, who eats whom. And with that, he whips out his sack and says he to the devils who were all gnashing their teeth and making ready to fall on him. What do you call this? It's a sack, says the devils. Is it, says the soldier. Then by the word of God, get into it. The next minute, all those devils were tumbling over each other and getting into the sack, squeezing in one on top of another until the last one had got inside. Then the soldier tied up the sack with a good double knot, hung it on a nail, and lay down to sleep. In the morning, the kings sent his servants. Have another drink. Go, says the king, and see what happened to that soldier who spent the night in the empty castle. If the unclean spirits have made an end of him, then you must sweep up his bones and make all clean. The servants came, all ready to lament for the brave soldier, done to death by the unclean. And there was a soldier, walking cheerfully from one room to another, smoking his little pipe. Well done, soldier. We never thought to see you alive. And how did you spend the night? How did you manage? against the devils. Devils, says the soldier. I wish all men I have played cards against and had paid their debts so honestly. Have a look at the silver and gold I have won from them. Look at the heaps of money lying on the floor. The servants looked at the silver and gold and touched it to see if it was real. But there was no doubt about that. I wish I had more in my pockets. The same sort.
<laughs> now, brothers, said the soldier, off with you as quick as you can. Go and fetch two blacksmiths here on the run, and let them bring with them an iron anvil and two of the heaviest hammers in the forge. The servants asked no questions, but hurried to the smithy. And two blacksmiths came running with anvil and hammers. Giants they were, the strongest men in all of the town. Now, says the soldier, take that sack from the nail and lay it on the anvil. And let me see how the blacksmiths of this town can set about their work. The blacksmiths, they took the sack from the nail. Devil, take it! What a weight! They said to each other. And little voices screamed out of the sack. We are good folk. We are your own people. Are you? Said the blacksmiths. And they laid the sack on the anvil and swung their great hammers up and down, up and down, as if they were beating out a lump of iron. The devils fared badly in there, and worse and worse, the hammers came down as if they were going through the devil's anvil earth and all it was more than even devils could bear have mercy they screamed have mercy soldier let us out again into the world and we'll never forget you world without end and as for this castle no devil shall put the nail of the toe of his foot in it we'll tell them all not one shall come with a hundred miles the soldier let the blacksmiths give a few more blows, just for luck. Then he stopped them and untied the mouth of the sack. The moment he opened it, the devil shot out and fled away to hell without looking right or left in their hurry. But the soldier was no fool, and he grabbed one of the old devils by the leg, and the devil hung gibbering, trying to get away. The soldier cut the devil's hairy wrist to the bone so that the blood flowed, took a pen, dipped it in the blood and gave it to the devil but he never let go of his leg right says he that you will be my faithful servant the old devil screamed and wriggled but the soldier gripped him tight there was nothing to be done he wrote and signed in his own blood a promise to serve the soldier faithfully whenever and whenever there should be need then the soldier let him go, and he went hopping and screaming after the others, and had disappeared in a moment. And so, the devil went rushing down to hell, aching in every bone of their hairy bodies, and they carried all the other unclean spirits, old and young, big and little, and told what had happened to them. And they set sentinels all around hell, and guards at every gate, and ordered them to watch well. And whatever they did, not on any account to let in end the soldier with the flour sack. The soldier went to the king and told him how he had dealt with the devils and how henceforth no devil would set foot within a hundred miles of the castle. Mm. Ah, good lead. If that's so, says the king, we'll move at once and go and live there. And you shall live with me and be honored as my own brother. And with that, there was a great to-do 
shifting the bedding and tables and benches and all else from the old castle to the new. And the soldier set up house with the king, living with him. He sat there as his own brother and wearing fine clothes with gold embroidery and eating the same food as the king. And as much of it as he liked, money to spend he had, for he had won from the devils enough to last even a spending a man a thousand years. And he had nothing to spend it on. Hens don't eat gold. No more do mice. And there the money lay in a corner till the soldier was tired of looking at it. So the soldier thought he would marry. Oh yeah. And he took a wife. And in the years time God gave him a son. And he had nothing more to wish for except to see the son grow up and turn into a general. But it so happened that the little boy fell ill. And what was the matter with him? No one knew. He grew worse and worse from day to day. And the king sent for every doctor in the country. But no one, no one of them did him any half a penny's worth of good. The doctors grew richer. The boy grew no better, but worse, as is often the way. The soldier had almost given up hope of saving his son when he remembered the old devil who had signed a promise written in his own blood to serve the soldier faithfully whenever and whenever there should be need. He remembered this and said to himself, Where the devil has my old devil hidden himself all this time? And he had scarcely said this when suddenly there was the little old devil standing right in front of him, dressed like a peasant in a little shirt and breeches, trembling with fright and asking, How can I serve you? Max, let's see. <laughs> see here, says the soldier. My son is ill. Do you happen to know how to cure him? The little old devil took a glass from his pocket and filled it with cold water and set it on the sick child's forehead. Come here, my excellency, says he, and look into the glass of water. The soldier came and looked in the glass. And what does your excellency see? Asked the little old devil. He was so much afraid of the soldier that he trembled and could hardly speak, mind you. I see death like a little old woman standing at my son's feet, said the soldier. Be easy, says the little old devil. For if death is standing at your son's feet... He will soon be well again. But if death was standing at his head, then nothing could save him. With that, the little old devil lifted the glass and splashed the cold water over the sick child. And the next minute, there was this little boy crawling about and laughing and crowing as if he had never been sick in his life. Give me that glass, says the soldier, and we'll cry quits. The little old devil gave him the glass, quick as lightning, and the soldier gave back the promise which the devil had signed in his own blood. As soon as the little old devil had the promise in his hand, he gave one look at the soldier and fled away 
as if the blacksmith had only that minute stopped beating him on the anvil. And the soldier, after this, set up as a wise man and put all the doctors out of business, curing all. He would just look into his glass as if death stood at a sick man's feet. He threw the water over him and cured him. If death stood at the sick man's head, he said, Ah, it's all up with you. And the sick man died as sure as fate. All went well until the king himself fell ill and sent for the soldier to cure him. The soldier went in and the king greeted him as his own brother and prayed him to be quick as he felt the sickness growing upon him as he lay. The soldier poured cold water in the glass and set it on the king's forehead and looked and looked again and saw death standing at the king's head. Oh, king, says the soldier, it's all up for you. Death is waiting by your head and you have but a few minutes left to live. What? cries the king. You cure all, and you will not cure me, who am your king, and have treated you as my own born brother. If I've only a few minutes to live, I've time enough to give orders for you to be beheaded. The soldier thought and thought, and he begged death. Oh, death, give my life to the king and kill me instead. Better to die so that no... Better to die than be shamefully beheaded by my brother, the king. He looked once more in the glass and saw that the little old woman, Death, had shifted from the king's head and was now standing at his feet. He picked up the glass and splashed the water over the king and there was the king as well as he had ever been. You are my own true brother after all, says the king. Let us go feast together. But the soldier is shaking all of his limbs and could hardly stand and he knew that his time had come. He prayed, Death, oh death, give me just one hour to say goodbye to my wife my little boy. Hurry up, says Death. And the soldier hurried to his room in the castle, said goodbye to his beautiful wife, told his son to grow up and be a general, lay down his bread and grew iller every minute. little old woman standing by his bedside. Well, soldier, says Death, you have only two minutes left to live. The soldier groaned and turning in bed, pulled the flour sack from under his pillow and opened it. Do you know what this is? He says to Death. A sack, says Death. Well, if it's a sack, get in it, 
says the soldier. Death was into the sack in a moment, and the soldier leapt from his bed, well and strong, tied up the sack with the two double knots, flung it over his shoulder, and set out for the deep forest of Brian, which is the thickest in all the world. I know this, I've been there. He came to the forest, and made his way into the middle of it, hung the sack from the topmost branch of the highest poplar tree, left it there, and came home singing songs at the top of his voice and full of kind of merriment. From that time on, there was no dying in the world. There were births every day, yes, and plenty of them, but nobody died. It was a poor time for doctors, and so it was for many years. Death had come to an end, and it was all if men would live forever. And all the time, the little old woman, Death, tied up in a sack, unable to get about her business, was hanging from the tall poplar tree in the forest of Brian. And then one day, the soldier was walking out to take the air, and he met an ancient old crone, so old and so ancient that she was like the fall whichever way the wind blew. She tottered along, blown this way and that, like a blade of withered grass. What an old hag, said the soldier to himself. It was time for her to die a many years ago. Yes, said the old crone, with her toothless gums numbling and grumbling over her words. Long ago it was, time for me to die, when you shut up death in a sack. I had only an hour left to live. I had done with this world. And the world had done with me. And I would have been glad to be at peace. Long ago, my place in heaven was made ready. And it is empty to this day, for I cannot die. You, soldier, have sinned before God. And before man, you have sinned a sin that God will not forgive. I am not only the soul in this world who is tortured as I am. Mine is not the only place that is growing dusty in heaven. Hundreds and thousands of us who should have died drag on in misery about the world. And but for you, we should now be resting in peace. <coughs> the soldier began to think, and he thought of all the other old men and women he had kept from the rest that God had made ready for them. There is no doubt about it, thinks he. I had better let death loose again. No matter if I am the first of whom she makes an end. I have sinned many sins, not countering this one. Better go to the other world now, and bear my punishment while I am strong. For when I am very old, it will come worse to me to be tortured. So we set off to the great forest of Brian which is the thickest in all the world, as I mentioned before. He found that poplar tree and saw the sack hanging from the topmost branch, swinging this way and that as the wind blew. Well, Death, are you alive up there? The soldier shouted against the wind. And a little voice, hardly to be heard, answered from the sack. Alive, yes. So the soldier 
climbed up the tree, took down the sack and carried it home over his shoulder. He said goodbye to his wife and his son, who was now a fine, strapping young lad. Then he went into his own room, opened the bag, lay down upon the bed and begged death to make an end of him. And death, in the form of the little old woman, crept trembling out of the sack, looking this way and that, for she was very much afraid. As soon as she saw the soldier, she bolted through the door and ran away as fast as her little old legs could carry her. The devils can make an end to you if they like, she shrieked, but you don't catch me taking a hand in it. The soldier sat up on the bed and knew that he was alive and well. Troubled, he was as what to do next. Hmm. I better get straight along to hell and let the devil throw me into the boiling pitch and stew me until all my sins are stewed out of me. So he said goodbye to everybody, took his sack in his hand and set off to hell by the best roads that he could find. Well, he walked on and on, over hill and valley, and through the deep forest, until he came at last to the kingdom of the Uncreen. There were the walls of hell, and the gates of hell, and he looked as he saw that sentinels were standing at every gate. As soon as he came near a gate, the devils doing century go calls out. Who goes there? A sinful soul. Come to you to be stewed in your boiling pitch. And what is that you've got in your hand? A sack. And the devils yelled out at the top of his voice and gave the alarm. From all sides the unclean rushed up and began closing every gate and window in hell with strong bolts and bars. And the soldier walked around hell outside the walls unable to get in. He cried out to the prince of hell, Let me into hell, I beg you. I have come to you to be tormented because I have sinned before God and before man. No, shouted the prince of hell. I won't let you in. Go away, go away, I tell you. Go away, any way you like. There's no place for you here. The soldier was more troubled than ever. Well, says he, if you won't let me in, you won't. I'll go away if you will give me two hundred sinful souls. I will take them to God, and perhaps when he sees them, he will forgive me and let me into heaven. I'll throw in another fifty, says the Prince of Hell. If only you'll get away from here. And he told the lesser devils to count out 250 sinful souls and to let them out quickly at one of the back doors of hell while he held the soldier in talk so the soldier should not slip in while the sinful souls were going out. It was done and the soldier set off for heaven with 250 sinful souls behind him marching in columns of root as the soldier made them for the sake of order and decency. Well, they marched on and on, and in the end, they came to heaven. 
it stopped before the very gates of paradise. And the holy apostle, standing in the gateway of paradise, said, Who are you? Ah, I am the soldier who hung death in a sack, and I have brought 250 sinful souls from hell in hope that God will pardon my sins and let me into paradise. And the apostle went to the Lord and told him that the soldier had come and brought with him 250 sinful souls. And God said, Let the sinful souls in, but do not let in the soldier. The apostles went back to the gateway and opened up the gates and told the souls that they might come in. But when the soldier tried to march in at the head of his company, they stopped him and said, No, soldier, there's no place for you here. So the soldier took one of his sinful souls aside and gave that soul his sack and told him, As soon as you're through the gates of paradise, open up the sack and shout out, Into the sack, soldier! And you will do this because I brought you here from hell. And the sinful soul promised to do this for the soldier. But when that sinful soul went through the gates into paradise, for very joy, it forgot about the soldier and threw away the sack somewhere in paradise where it may be lying to this day. And so, the soldier, after waiting a long time, went slowly back down to earth. Death would not take him. There was no place for him in paradise and no place for him in hell. For all we know, he still may be living yet. Now, Fenwick, what do you think of that as a story? Thank you for listening to the Mead, Meat and Dragon Tales podcast. Read and voiced to you by Warren Bussinger. The story, The Soldier and Death, is an old Russian folktale written into English by Arthur Ransom and published before January 1st, 1925 and is in the public domain worldwide. All characters in the tavern, including Fenwick, Corwin and a stranger, are of Warren Bussinger's own invention. This is property of the Mead, Meat and Dragon Tale podcast. 2020 by Warren Bussinger. See you on the next episode.